from the Orange County Fire Authority. This is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader. All right, welcome back to OCFA's Pass Along Podcast. Uh, We're back with an exciting episode that we're going to split into two. Um, because it's uh, something that's um, obviously very uh, cutting edge for the fire authority here and that our new fire chief is on board now and we have this opportunity to hear from him, uh, Chief Brian Fennessy, on kind of his vision for uh, how he operates, who he is, and uh, maybe what he sees coming uh, for the fire authority. And the interview is conducted by Shane Sherwood. Uh, but before we get started, I wanted to just remind everybody that we will be holding a badge pinning and swearing in ceremony for Chief Fennessy on Thursday, April 26th, uh, coming up here at 4 p.m. in the courtyard. Uh, fairly low key, but we wanted to celebrate this event. Um, and uh, that'll be done in the courtyard here at headquarters. And I really just want to encourage you to come out. Uh, check with your supervisor and staff, and, and I think we'll, we'll have a good crowd out there to uh, welcome, officially welcome Chief Fennessy as he gets his badge and, and he's sworn in at that time. So um, please come down, and it also gives you an opportunity to meet the fire chief. Uh, he's as personable as you can imagine, and uh, just uh, we're all looking forward to great things here within the organization. So with that, I'll turn it over to Battalion Chief Shane Sherwood for part one of the interview with Fire Chief Brian Fennessy. Thanks for joining us on the Pass Along Podcast. Uh, my, my name is Shane Sherwood. I had the opportunity to uh, sit down with Chief Fennessy and uh, get the first opportunity to speak to him and uh, pick his brain and really get the opportunity to see who, who our new fire chief is. Thanks, Chief. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started with uh, our first question. Thanks for taking the time, Chief. Bet, I know chief. Uh, you're extremely busy, especially with uh, just getting started. I know you did sneak in a few days last week, but uh, officially your first day uh, today. And uh, thanks again for your time. And we'll go ahead and jump right in if, uh, if you're good. I'm good. All right, so can you tell us about your family, your personal interests, and maybe some of the hobbies that you uh, take part in outside of work? <laughs> I can. It's a pretty short story. Um, I'm married. I have uh, three kids, two from a previous marriage, both older uh, sons. Uh, Matthew and Tyler both live outside the home and uh, been married 18 years. My wife, Kathy, we have a daughter that just turned 17 over the weekend. She's a a junior at San Marcos High School in North San Diego County and uh, you know between you know attending some of her you know dance events and whatever that's a, that's about it you know I, I, I wish I could say I had more hobbies uh, but I gotta tell you I, I love the work we're in and um, I'm driven by it I get a lot of satisfaction out of um, you know just doing the job and, and preparing for you know the future of this job so in short my work balance is way out of whack um, but I love that stuff, and, and my wife, you know, she understands that, and, um, you know, we get out, and we'll try to spend a weekend, you know, here and there when we can, but, uh, you know, as long as I'm employed and working, I mean, really, it is uh, a priority for me, and I just get so much satisfaction. I, I love being a firefighter, and, um, and that's 24-7, and while some would question, you know, again, my work-life balance, I, you know, I love this stuff, so, uh, and my family's very understanding. Well, glad to, glad to hear that. I'm sure uh, being a father of three daughters, I may see you at those dance competitions. Yeah, man. And she's, <laughs> you know, I, I shouldn't say here she's not the greatest dancer, but she enjoys doing it, right? So that, that's the important thing. Well, very good. Talk about your uh, fire background. Um, I understand you got quite a few years in the fire service. Can you uh, give us some insight of when, where you began and what your roots were and uh, 
how you how you got to uh, where you are today with OCFA. Sure. You, you know what? I, I uh, was born and raised up in Altadena, just outside of Pasadena in North uh, L.A. County. Well, in the Valley area, San Gabriel Valley in the foothills. And, uh, you know, throughout my, my young life, you know, you know, saw L.A. County fire and the Forest Service to respond to a lot of fires there in, in the front country. And uh, upon graduation of high school, I was out looking for work and it was suggested to me that, you know, perhaps I consider going to work for the Forest Service and being a firefighter for them. I hadn't really considered it, 18 years old, uh, was given a, uh, a, uh, a chit to go buy some boots down at uh, the local boot store and showed up one Monday at Oak Grove Ranger Station right there next to County Camp 2 and was introduced to the Oak Grove Hotshots. And, uh, became a crew member for the crew again back in 1978 and you know I didn't have a lot of uh, aspirations at that time uh, formal education you know wasn't necessarily my future at that time and really my 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 goal in life then was man I wanted to run that chainsaw I wanted to be the guy running that noisy tool and that was largely it and you know I got an opportunity to do that I, I worked uh, on the Angels for about five years. I was with the Chileo Hot Shots. We moved on to the Los Padres and and you know became a, a squad boss, ultimately becoming a crew foreman before they were called Hotshot Crew Captains. We were foremen and uh, left transferred agencies to the Bureau of Land Management where I was a part of starting the Kern Valley Hotshot Crew and then ultimately the Apple Valley uh, Crew out of um, San Bernardino County. I left there as a crew superintendent. Offered a job down in San Diego. I was taking a number of exams at the time, about one a year. And I'm not from San Diego. And actually, it was the first time I'd been down there was to take the exam. They offered me a job. Um, I loved what I was doing, uh, but the chief I worked for, the FMO, told me that I needed to pack up my stuff and head to San Diego. I had a young, my firstborn was one year old, and, and uh, Back then, you know, you were away, there were no 14-day or 21-day limitations. When you were assigned, you could literally be assigned for, for months on end. And that was after the tough years of, you know, Yellowstone and, and all the big fires in the late 80s. And so it, it was a good time for me. At 32 years old, I was a crew superintendent. I was an old guy, and it was a good time to make a move. So moved to San Diego, uh, was a firefighter for 10 years on uh, the busiest stations. I loved being a firefighter. And... Um, you know, got involved, actually, you know, initiated a project down in San Diego, the, the aviation program. I was amazed, uh, not having been from San Diego and living all the places I had, that they didn't really have full-time, you know, aviation, fire and aviation resources. And, well, as a firefighter in the back of one of the, the busiest stations in, in the city, put together a proposal, and, and just by chance it got legs. And over time, um, you know, all the way through the Cedar Fire to where we finally got full-time, you know, agency-owned aircraft uh, was a heck of a role and it, it certainly helped my career advancement that was never the you know that was never the uh, uh, what was expected I expected just to man I'd have been happy just to been a crew chief on that on that aircraft but things happen in your careers and I was always told by mentors of mine that when opportunity you know presented itself because it doesn't always present itself to take it and so I did that um, I never expected to be the fire chief in San Diego nor here um, I always question those that say that they want to be the fire chief someday because that certainly wasn't my, uh, uh, the way I, I uh, planned it out. Um, but circumstances happen. Again, opportunities present themselves. 
and um, always looking to the next you know new thing it just kind of happened the music stopped and were, all the seats were taken and I was left standing there but I've enjoyed the heck out of it I, I, I love being a firefighter I, I love being an engineer captain all the way up every one of those positions you know uh, were fantastic and being the fire chief I think it is a lot of fun yeah there's a lot of you know pressures that are different from some of the other positions but you know, I found that if, if you genuinely care about your people and you're doing the things for those organizations and you, and you stay authentic, keep yourself humble, not forget where you came from, um, you know, the, the, the troops will follow you and they'll take care of you. Um, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room in most places I, I go to, but I surround myself with some very capable people. And, you know, I have a history of, of running pretty hard and, and pretty long and, and that seems to attract others with the same traits. And I'm looking forward to, again, uh, moving this organization you know, forward. Th this is a great organization, Shane. Um, I applied for this, this job back in the early 80s. I was one of those ones that stood uh, or slept, spent the night there at Anaheim Stadium waiting for a, an application. I didn't do so well on the exam. So to come here, you know, to be finally brought to the department at the top level when I wasn't at the entry level is kind of uh, interesting, kind of funny. But, um, you know, there are, you know, what I found in my career is that, you know, we're very critical of our own agencies. And I think some of that is healthy. We know things that people from the outside do not about our own, you know, agency, our own family. I will tell you that large agencies, small agencies outside Orange County still see Orange County Fire Authority as being, you know, one of the best, you know, fire organizations, if not in the country, certainly in the state and throughout Southern California. And I think it's important that, that we all remember that. We are, you know, a quality, you know, large fire agency. There are, you know, people that would love to be here. Um, so when I had the opportunity, I didn't expect this either. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, six months ago, I, I wouldn't have dreamed of being here. But when the opportunity presented itself and I learned more about uh, the organization, that was even more of an attraction. So I'm, I'm just honored, man, and privileged to have, you know, been selected, you know, by the board to be here and, and humbled to be as embraced by, you know, day two by everybody as they have been. Um, we're going to have a good time and, and we're going to we're going to roll and we're going to roll hard and we're going to we're going to up the game. Thanks, Chief. Uh, there's a couple of things I, I want to circle sure. back on and just uh, just kind of bring up um, one. I, I see you wearing your wildland boots. Yep. And so obviously those roots are, are deep with you with the with the wildland world and uh, um, you know, here at OCFA, that is definitely, uh, it's one of our pillars that we, uh, you know, our roots are from, from CDF days, and so it's great to see that. Uh, second, hopefully OCFA gave you more than a chit to go get some new boots. Can you explain what a chit is to some of us that don't know? <laughs> that, was, that was down there, they'd write you, you know, actually what I was looking for work was the unemployment office, right, down in Pasadena, and they wrote you, it's like a, a coupon or a ticket, they gave it to you, and then you'd go down to the boot store, and the guy would look at it and go, oh, okay, issue, issue this broke young man a, a pair of boots, a bunch of old red wings, right? <laughs> but you know, people always ask that, especially when I was down in the you know, urban area in the city, they're like, you know, hey man, dude, you're, you're, what's with the boots? I'll be honest with you, the most comfortable, you know, shoe that I own, you know, I, I all those years on, on cruise and working in busy stations, I always figured it'd be my, you know, my back, my knees, my shoulders, whatever that would give me problems. And, and uh, it's been my feet. I mean, it, when not in these boots, it literally feels like I'm still standing on the side of some, you know, 70% slope. And so they really are the, more, the most comfortable um, shoe I own. And, um, 
think it's been 40 years. You know, once the Red Wings wore out, I was convinced that maybe whites was the right way to go. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been a lifelong whites wearer. Uh, another comment you made, um, and just for clarification, you, you alluded to your uh, involvement in the air operations program down in San Diego. So, if I understood correctly, you were instrumental in, in getting that program going uh, in San Diego. Did you have aviation background prior to that? Uh, you know, I did. And, and, you know, like anything else in the fire service, you know, what we, what we do, you know, we do as a team. You know, I, I get a lot of credit for, um, you know, the program down there now and the evolution of that. And, yes, I played a key part of it. But then there were a lot of other people involved, you know, other firefighters, you know, elected uh, officials. Um, you know, big fire certainly helped, you know, drive, point, drive the uh, point home. But, yeah, you know, when I worked for the Forest Service, you know, my time was spent on a hotshot cruise, but I did spend a, a few years on what they called then Hellishot cruise on the Angeles Chantry Flat um, up above Arcadia had a, a crew. And basically these were, were you know, we'd staff the uh, aircraft L-212s largely with, um, you know, 10 individuals in the back of the thing. And we would perform the duties of a hotshot crew, but it was IA. It was initial attack and they'd let you off on the active, you know, sides of fire and you'd, you wouldn't put in full in-line construction. You would just do anything you could to stop the spread until others came in behind you. And it was great because you would do that all day long, no mop-up. <laughs> you know, and I, I did that at uh, Chantry on the Los Padres. I, I was at uh, Royal Grande where we did that. And then when I ended as a crew superintendent at Apple Valley, I, I had a 20-person crew and, and a Bell 214. So I, I brought that. Um, I've, uh, I was a qualified air attack officer in 1999. I went through CAL FIRE, then CDF, right. Forest Service, uh, air attack school in uh, Reading. Um, I spent time on, on management teams as an air operations branch director, so I spent a lot of time around both fixed wing and, and uh, rotor wing, you know, operations. So you can imagine if I go to San Diego and they've got, you know, they've got this huge wildland fire threat, um, but no concept of, you know, that there's, there are solutions and there are other things going on. In, in Orange County, at the time, Mike Colgan, uh, I believe, was a BC here in Orange County, and he had established uh, the program here in 1993 so we certainly took the best of what the agencies north of us had um, to develop that program down right. there. Very good. Um, so moving on uh, and obviously this is personal to you what do you feel are some of your greatest strengths and what what are those that challenge you the most? Well you know what I, I think uh, you know, probably one of my greatest strengths is, is man, my passion I, I said earlier my passion for you know the fire service and, and for our firefighters um, I've learned over time that, you know, especially as you get towards the, the latter end of your career, you know, what are the things that matter most? You know, not necessarily what you've accomplished, you know, in terms of programs, those sorts of rank or those sorts of things, but, you know, what have you done for the members? You know, what have you done for those that are out delivering the, the services? And uh, one, of the, one of the things I'm especially, you know, proud of is, or kind of as our hallmark is I believe you know, that our employees and our firefighters come first. And many would say, well, wait a minute, then the public, then the community, you know, they always come first, right? That's kind of how we're brought up. I'd argue not necessarily. I, I would argue that no, our, our people come first, are taking care of them and genuinely taking care of them, you know, whether it's through, you know, cancer, you know, awareness and prevention programs, uh, you know, the behavioral health stuff, whatever that may be, equipping them with the right equipment. If we all, if we do that and we make that our, our priority, they're going to deliver better services to the community. And there's a, 
you know, a guy named Herb Kelleher, who was the founder and I want to say CEO of Southwest Airlines. And if you, anybody out there that's listening to this, if you YouTube, you know, Herb Kelleher's stuff, these, there's a number of videos there. The guy's a character, but that was his mantra. And, you know, uh, my takeaway was, wow, that, that really makes a lot of sense. So I, I think, you know, when I look back, you know, when, if I ever eventually retire or, w or when I retire and, you know, people say, man, we really appreciate the way you cared for us and took care of us. To me, that would be uh, a whole lot more important than, you know, the programs or the initiatives or the, or the rank, you know, that I've achieved over my career. That's fantastic. I appreciate that. Um, uh, I, I feel the same way. And so I appreciate you uh, explaining it as you, the way you did and that you, you feel that way. Um, you spoke about one thing. You spoke about cancer. Um, and that's definitely something that here at OCFA, we've, uh, we've made a great push over the last uh, year to really get involved and to really bring that to the forefront and, uh, and make sure that we are doing all the things that we can to keep all of our employees safe. And, uh, and so some of the stuff that's come up is, you know, talking about extractors at the station, second set of turnouts. Um, do you have any other ideas of uh, ways you want to pursue that uh, even further? And, uh, and make sure that we are doing everything we can to keep our firefighters safe. Yeah, and, I, and I've, I've been really impressed by, you know, what the fire authority, you know, what we've done here so far. And, and you know, I made it a priority down in San Diego and actually had an individual become my cancer, gave him a title, cancer prevention officer. He's my CPO. He reported directly to me so that he didn't have any roadblocks, you know, in terms of support, whether that's fiscal or operate, whatever it was. Um, and, you know, develop the program that um, they have in place down there now. You know, what we knew then and know now that this is a, uh, it's not a one and done. You do all these things, you buy things, you give people second sets of turn, you do all these things. It really is a, a culture shift and has to be approached that way. Um, I worked during a time, even on the hot shots, where, man, the dirtier you were, you know, we, we compete to see how long we could go without showers, right? You know, I went a week, you went 10 days, you got me, you know, whatever. But even in the, the firehouses, and man, I had some old crusty, you know, gear, and that was, I'd go out and work overtime, and people would see that and see where I was from, and I thought that, you know, gained me some level of respect. You know, in retrospect, man, it was, it was pretty foolish. Didn't know what we know now, um, whether it be the absorption of the car, uh, carcinogens, you know, the breathing of it, but what really strikes home, and I know you've ex we've experienced it here in, in Orange County, is when members, you know, young members of you know, the agency are stricken with some cancers and some of them very different cancers. Um, it's scary. Uh, I've lived this long and, and been exposed to some pretty bad things. And, and you know, sad as it is, I, I figure that at some point, you know, I'm going to get diagnosed from all that exposure. So we really need to approach it from a cold. We'll, we'll know we're successful when it's cool not to wear dirty gear or when somebody comes in with dirty gear and the others go, hey, listen, dude, come on, really? You know, get your clean stuff on. We don't want that on the rig with the rest of us. You know, you're gonna, I don't wanna take that home to my family. We'll know we, we're, we're getting there when we start to see that. But it's, a, it's the long game. Yeah. It's not the one and done. You know, buy the extractors, do this, do that. That will help, you know, decon at, at the scenes and all those things. Might cause longer unavailability to get clean. But again, it comes back to, we gotta take care of ourselves. We're not doing the customer the community, any service 
man, if we're sick and, and um, you know, suffering from cancer in our families, or because, you know, there was a rush to get back in service. Yes, you know, we want to expedite to where we can, but we're just going to have to change, you know, and it sounds like uh, everything I'm hearing you know, about this organization, man, we're, we're heading down that path. So I'm excited to, to see that. It's not something that has to be started. It's well on its way. So, you know, uh, again, appreciation to everybody here that's been working on that. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I look forward to the, the changes coming with that and bolstering that program to make it uh, that much better than it is today. Um, I wanted to, you just sent out your letter to the organization today, um, kind of defining who, who Chief Fennessy is and, and kind of what we can expect. Um, Going to kind of put you on the spot, sure. and uh, you, you, you made a comment uh, in, in, one, in one of the pages about um, to expect some few changes in the day-to-day -day operations. Um, can you give us any ideas of kind yeah. of what, what you're thinking or what, what kind of things we could expect uh, in that area? Sure. You, you know, and, and I'd acknowledge that, you know, I'm not a big fan of written bulletins and, and those sorts of things. That's an old legacy way of communicating with, you know, the employees, the workforce, the firefighters. Um, you know, it's one way. It's not the only way. This certainly is another way. I prefer this, or what I most prefer is going out and meeting, you know, with the crews. Which you're doing, crews. right? You, you doing that's it. your plan. I, I did. Last night was uh, my first night. Went and uh, met with the crews at Station 34. We had a pretty great time. Hopefully they don't give up, you know, any of my, my, my secrets and they'll keep everything <laughs> confidential out there. But no, really, uh, I, man, I love that. It, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to leave Station because we all, Right? We all get into this business. We go through the academy to be at those fire stations and do the things that you know, everybody's doing every day. That's why we join them, not to do these jobs necessarily. Um, but when we're, you know, when we're given the privilege or, or, or the opportunity to do these jobs, it's really about now, you know, how do we support you? I work for you. You, know, you. you all don't work for me. I know the organization chart looks like this, but the reality is everybody you know, that wears, you know, that moves up in the in the organization really works for the people that are delivering the services every day. Um, so, you know, I, I really, uh, man, I don't like the, to push the paper out there. It was probably longer than I'd like to communicate. And it's always easy to, to look at one thing that's said on paper and go, gosh, is he meaning this or does he mean that? Um, I've been involved in, in organizational changes in the past and, and it does create, even if it's internal, and you know who the next chief is going to be. It creates some level of anxiety. It, it, it's variable. Um, what I intended to mean in the media is like, look, right now, day to day, you're not going to see any changes. I mean, day to day. And, and I think that's, that's a comfort. I know it was for me when I was a firefighter is, hey, look, you know, I come to work every day and man, there aren't big things changed. That gives everybody kind of a sense of pause because you know what? The organization is doing great things. I, I go back to this is a great organization. I'm the one that's really lucky to be a new member of the family here. It's a, it really is an honor to be, to wear the Orange County, you know, patch. Um, so many great things are happening here, operationally sound. I told the board that during the interview. I says, you know, there's a lot of places that somebody's got to go in and they got to straighten out a lot of operational issues. This is strong, you know, this organization's got a reputation for being strong operationally. I don't, I don't necessarily have to worry about that. There may be some tweaks we may, see a, an opportunity to bulk up some of our responses, you know. Um, I look at, you know, I've read all the reports, I've watched all the videos, the Canyon 2 and on and on, and certainly that's something, um, you know, you, you will likely see some changes from um, that we need to. I don't have, I haven't made a bunch of judgment over that because I think it would be foolish to do that without first talking to everybody and not just the chiefs and not just 
the executive team, but the firefighters and uh, certainly the, the bargaining units, everybody, the dispatchers, and, and getting some feedback. And then as a group, we'll sit down, we'll figure out where do we need to, to approach these things. So the, the message is, long, long, long answer to your question, Shane, but people shouldn't worry about day-to-day -day any large changes. Um, they'll, there always is, whether you're the new chief or not, decisions that have to be made that some are not going to necessarily support or, or think are, are, are uh, the right decisions. Uh, what I shared with the crews last night at 34s is that's just kind of goes with it. But I think what, what, what a chief or what somebody needs to do is communicate why he made those changes. You know, I mean, I come from an era where people didn't, it doesn't matter why. We're just making those changes. And those are hard to accept because we all have our own opinions and we all have our own history and why we think things should need to be. But if we're doing it right, when we're making big decisions, even small decisions, we're sharing what our leader's intent is, what that task, purpose, end state is in those areas. And so, um, you know, some of those are going to be driven by, you know, the reports that are out. Some of them, well, all of them will be the, what, what I believe are best for the organization. Um, but big, giant, painful stuff, I don't believe you're going to see. And certainly the workforce doesn't need to worry about any overnight coming to work and there'd be some big change that they got to deal with. So I'm sure they appreciate the reassurance. Yeah. You know, I, I've been there, you know, yeah. through organizational changes and you know, it does, even if you know the person going in there creates some anxiety. And right. I think there is, you know, after a week or two people go, well, you know, the, the world is not changed and <laughs> I'm still coming to work. It's still a great job where we're still responding to things. Absolutely. Um, Kind of on that change piece, um, you have a plan for maybe implementing a strategic plan or uh, how far do you normally cast out for your visions? Are you, are you normally a year to year? Are you five years projection to kind of, hey, this is where I want to be in five years? What, what, how do you approach that? That's a great, man, that's a great question. And I shared this last night with the, the crews there as well. You know, I've been involved in five-year strategic plans and have been told that, you know, they're not going to sit on the shelf, this and that. Man, the world we live in, five years is a long time, and I don't, I don't believe, my personal belief is, and, and some may argue that, but uh, you know, a five-year plan just doesn't hold up. You're not going to get there. Um, I believe, as our military and others have, have seen, that the, you know, the pace, you know, the speed of information now, I mean, whether it's, I don't know about you all, but I get you know, 200 email a day, <laughs> right. you know, social media, all the things. I mean, the, we, are, we are flying, and the challenges we have are more complex than they've ever been. Not complicated, but complex. It's, it's something very different. And you know, to be able to stay and keep that pace and, and deal with the, the chaos um, that we deal with every day at large and small levels, and not just incident chaos, but I mean even administrative chaos, we gotta be agile, uh, we gotta be fast, we have to be prepared for it. And that's a different type of, of um, leader model. And um, I'm big on the mission-driven culture. You know, we have an operational culture here. You know, defining what that is and what we want our leaders, you know, to be. We want to, you know, delegate in many cases to the point where it's uncomfortable. Um, the people on the ground in the field, they're at the the point of delivery, and in almost every case, they know the right decisions to be made. Um, we come from a um, very rigid paramilitary command and control environment and some of that is purposeful and some of that is necessary but when somebody needs to make a decision on the fire ground you know in the field whatever that is that moment to make that decision nowadays is usually very short 
I mean, it's a short timeline. And if they don't make the decision because they're concerned about, you know, negative consequences, whether it be discipline or it's outside policy or these other things, that moment's going to pass to do the right thing that they know is the right thing. And we have failed to, you know, give them, you know, that opportunity to make things better. So there'll be a lot more coming out of, you know, uh, about that. But I'm big on, on sharing, you know, that decision making and uh, supporting our people that know, you know, in most all cases, those right, you know, decisions to, to make. And, and if I can, I'd sure. like to elaborate a little more of that, kind of what your envision is, how you empower uh, the employees to, to make those decisions at, at their level, wherever they are. Um, sure. Is that something that's, uh, is it a policy? Is it, do we, how do we, how do we make it that the it's, cultural, how do we turn yeah. that into a cultural piece? It, it's, it's a long process. I, I mean, I wouldn't kid you. It's not something that you just go to a class or you just announce on a piece of paper and a video and, it, and it's done. Um, it, you know, culture, you know, to, I mean, we've got a great culture here, you know, to tweak it and, and push it down. I mean, it's a multifaceted piece, but it's, uh, it really is about trust. More than anything else, it's about trust. 100%. Trust, you know, from the uh, people in the field that, hey, my boss has got my back. Um, I'll put it out there. It makes people uncomfortable sometimes, but there are times when we've got to make decisions and operate outside of policy. We can't have a policy for every situation that comes up. I mean, we try to, right? We got bookshelves full of policy <laughs> manuals where, and there's sometimes names associated with that policy, right? right? And, but the reality of the world we live in now, things are happening quickly that we haven't seen before. We, if we've trained our our firefighters, our officers, well, and I believe we have here, and we've given them the tools they need to make the decisions they need to make, um, and we need to let them do those things and acknowledge at the same time they're not always going to get it right. You know that the the chance of failure. We have to be acceptance of failure. Um, if what they saw, smelled, looked, touched, whatever it was at that moment, if they can articulate, you know, what it was that caused them to make that decision, even if outside of policy, we need to support that even if the outcome is not positive. In those cases where you know, others will take that to mean something than what I'm talking about here and basically take that to mean I can kind of do what I want, well, you know, those books on that shelf, we've got books on that shelf to deal with those people. In, in most cases, it's a, it's a learning opportunity. But after enough learning opportunities, it, it turns into something else. And it's just a, a very different way of operating. Uh, the military, again, has had to learn in this you know, day of terrorism and, and everything else that the traditional command and control model is, is cumbersome, it's slow. Um, the world is too fast now. So there'll be a lot more discussion about it. I'm passionate about it. I've seen it work. And I really believe that you know, that is the future of the fire service. The fire service is going to be successful nationally, perhaps even internationally, we've got to adopt a, a new way of thinking and leading and those sorts of things. So we're going to be, we're going to be on the front lines of that. There's going to be a lot of people Good. looking and talking about what we're doing here in Orange County. I'm excited for that. I am uh, too. Look forward to it. Chief, that's a good place that uh, we'll take a break and uh, we'll encourage our listeners to roll over to the next podcast. All right. Thanks for doing that, Shane. Uh, I encourage everyone to listen to part two of Shane's interview with uh, Chief Fennessy. But until then, uh, let's continue to watch out for each other and we'll talk to you soon.